Brexit means Brexit, and we are going to make a success of it. The Brexit Secretary, Dominic Raab, has resigned. The government, Mr Speaker, is in chaos. We will make Brexit Brexit a success. Please, I beg you, Scotland can be ignored on an issue as important as our membership of the EU and the single market. Then it is clear that our voice and our interests can be ignored at any time and on any issue. Hello, National Readers, and welcome back to the National Politics Podcast. It's been a little bit of a while since I last had one of these due to an illness on my part, but we are back and we're ready to talk about this week's developments, which have been interesting. It's been the Conservative Party conference, uh, so we've got quite a lot of talk to talk about. My name is Stephen Payton, and joining me around the table today are one of our journalists, Andrew Leomonth, and our community's editor, Shona Craven. Hello. You were meant to say hello, Andrew. Really? Sorry, I, was, I didn't want to crash Stephen's vocal. Is that the right term? Crash. Crash, crash. the vocal. That's what, I've, that's what I was told in DJ school. Sorry. When you go. No, that's okay. I was just coming to you and I gave you a really meaningful look there and you just sort of... Staring <laughs> off <laughs> nothing. Uh, so as always, you can support podcasts like this one by subscribing to the National. We are doing really well in our Ten Thousand Steps campaign. You can find out more about that on our website. Let's kick things off with the Conservative Party conference, which is of course the big story of this week. And I was amazed to see how expensive it actually is to go to the Conservative Party conference. I had no idea how much tickets cost. It's four hundred pounds if you're under twenty-five for a ticket for the what three days? How much if you're over twenty-five? 520 if you're a member yeah gosh I mean what what do how do other party conferences compare what would you have to pay to get to the SNP conference or Labour conference I mean I know the Greens is at 21 quid (laughs) (laughs) I mean they pay you to come along don't they (laughs) is that why they all look so furious all the people sitting I mean I think if I paid that much money I'd have probably you know had a wine beforehand so that I could enjoy it I mean I imagine there'll be different rates so I imagine if you're a party delegate so you've been sent there by the local party you probably don't have to pay I think that's how it works with other groups but if you're an observer or just a member who's going there with no votes, then you might have to pay. I, no, I, I mean, don't know if I, that's true or I'm not. I'm not convinced. Like I say, looking at the, the tiering, it was actually uh-huh. mad. Even people who are really tied into the party have to pay a substantial amount to get there. Sure. Which is maybe why it's usually half empty. Who knows? Um, mm. Definitely not a party of the people, as much as they might pretend otherwise. But, yes, yeah, so that's that's been um, happening for the last few days. And, of I'm course... Gonna, I'm just going to Google this, sorry. sorry. Just gonna, give me a second. No, I don't believe you, but I just want to, you know... Just want to get those Before numbers. we're slagging off the, the Tories for, for ripping... Their members off. Let's make sure none of the other political parties do it as well. Just okay, like I said, that, Scottish Greens, you know, just twenty one quid. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to come to you with the first question as well, Andrew. So this is definitely slowing us down a little bit. Um, the new Brexit proposals that Boris Johnson has put forward, essentially, not immediately shot down by the EU, which is interesting since they had said that negotiations were finished. Uh, but Nicola Sturgeon did brand them as designed to fail. So, Andrew, you have actually been kind of covering this and sticking on top of this story. What are these new proposals? How are they different from what came before? Right, OK. Uh, I'm still trying to find tickets, uh, the cost of tickets to the SNP conference. Um, uh, but anyway, let's all come back, we'll come to, back that. to that at the end. Right, so I suppose um, they are the biggest problem with the deal has always been that backstop the, the, the this safety net this, this is where we are with the Brexit debate I'm never sure when I'm writing about the backstop whether or not I have to explain what the backstop is but I think you kind of it's always good just to make sure people understand 
all these these many terms are being bandied out. The backstop effectively is a, a guarantee. It's you know in the worst case scenario, if no deal can be is reached between the EU and the UK, then the backstop is what effectively prevents there being a border, a hard border on the island of Ireland. And so this has always been the problem for the Tories. Theresa May's deal, the withdrawal agreement, was always uh, uh, she for that she kind of had the support of the EU. Uh, they liked the deal, but she didn't have the support of Parliament or of her own party or of the, 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 the DUP, the, the ten um, staunch unionist MPs who prop up who propped up her government in the Commons. Boris Johnson has come away with a deal which come up with a deal which probably won't have the support of the EU, but does have the support of Parliament, uh, which is where we are just now. Uh, and he's done that by effectively. I mean, I don't know if you can really call it getting rid of the backstop, but he's what he's done is he's proposed that Northern Ireland stays within the, the, the single market but comes out of the custom union. Um, that's going to mean checks. It's going to mean checks on all goods, not just agri-foods, which is well, kind of what people were expecting or had been sort of speculating about for the last week, but all goods going from Ireland into Northern Ireland. Uh, uh, is that right way round, will be subject to customs checks, but there will not be a hard border, there will not be permanent infrastructure. That's that's the big Tory, the big plan here in these plans, in these proposals. Uh, instead, there will be some checks, but they'll be done in uh, uh, on the supply routes or they'll be done in, in you know, the, 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 the place of origin or the factory or the, 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 the abattoir or the, the farm there rather than, you know, People having to stop at a border and being searched or checked by, okay. by military personnel. So, Does that so, make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. But <clears throat> what are the actual odds of the EU accepting this? Well, it's you know, there's been this idea that it's been designed to fail. That Boris Johnson really secretly wants hard Brexit. That he wants no deal Brexit. So he's come up with this preposterous plan, which won't ever in a million years be accepted by Brussels. But. So at the start of the week, we were being told that Boris Johnson was going to make his final offer and this is going to be it. And if Europe didn't accept it, and he was going to walk away and that's it, you've had your chance. What we had on Wednesday when we saw the proposals, interestingly enough, was that he called them a broad landing strip or a broad landing zone, rather, you know, which suggests that perhaps there is some room for compromise, some room for movement here. And I think if you're in Europe, the Europeans who've always been very well aware that Parliament doesn't like what Theresa May agreed, they're going to look and go, oh, actually, maybe Boris Johnson has the numbers now. So possibly, perhaps, somehow we could find some way of agreeing and getting something that would get through the Commons. But actually, I'm still pretty sceptical that that will happen. I still think that it's going to effectively come down to what Ireland wants. And you've had... Um, Simon Connolly, who is the, the Deputy Prime Minister of Ireland today, saying if this is what Britain are proposing, then there's going to be no deal. So I, I think it's at the moment it's unlikely, but you know, given the state of politics in 2019, I don't think we can say it's impossible. What about what Northern Ireland wants? And is Stormont going to reconvene to what, say what Well, this is, this, this is the other part of the, the, of the deal, is that the arrangements would have to be um, approved firstly by Stormont, uh, and then... Um, Again, so reapproved, as it were, every four years, and that's going to be, you know, that's incredible. The idea that Stormont are going to have this big constitutional debate every four years. So second of all, you know, they've still got to get Stormont up and running, and mm. and that's, you know, 
it's kind of suited the UK government a little bit not to have stormed up and running these last little while. But if they're making this commitment to it, then you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, again, in Northern Ireland, the other thing about Northern Ireland, the political parties in Northern Ireland, the only political party who are supporting the deal are the DUP. You know, the, you know, the Sinn Féin, the, uh, the Alliance, the SDLP, uh, they all absolutely think this proposal being put forward by Boris Johnson is, is preposterous. Uh, as to do the, um, you know, the, the business communities, think groups like the FSB and, and, and you know, farmers groups as well. Hmm. I mean, I have <clears throat> interestingly seen uh, BuzzFeed reporting this morning that like, um, despite all of those kind of issues that they might come up, um, the, the deal might come up against, that Boris Johnson is already kind of preparing himself for that if the EU shoot it down, that he's going to turn it into an attack on the EU rather than what I would say more closely mirrors reality, which is that uh, the UK has repeatedly been told that you've had your deal. Like, you can't just keep renegotiating and renegotiating it. Um, but BuzzFeed got a hold of a leaked email that was basically advising MPs on a sort of like lines to take perspective that if the EU does reject this deal, they have to call the EU crazy, quote, crazy, uh, which is just positively Trump. Trumpian, um, right into that playbook. Same with them. I don't know if anyone saw the other day. What was it when Boris Johnson was talking about Turkey, uh, or rather was asked about what he'd said about Turkey during the Brexit debate, and how he'd brought up Turkey and all these people flooding into the country and everything else, and he just said, "Nope, I never said anything about Turkey." And the reporter read him his quotes back as he walked away and just shut the door on them, which it seems, um, again, very out of the sort of new politics of we don't actually need to be held to account in any manner but it seems like there's going to be someone to blame either this all works and goes through and Boris Johnson can say I'm the hero or the EU shoot it down in which case the evil you know crazy EU are to blame or the Northern Ireland the Northern Irish politicians vote it down in which case they're the ones that's blocked the deal but if they say yes to it and things go disastrously wrong. Well, it was their fault. It wasn't anyone else's fault. It was the fault of the politicians at Stormont meeting for the first time in three years to decide a vitally important question that could be a matter of life and death. Mm. So it's their fault. You yeah. know, it won't be Boris Johnson's fault if anything goes horribly wrong. Perfect. I think what Boris Johnson has done, and has done, um, you know, uh, you can almost say he's done it exceptionally well since becoming Prime Minister, what, 72, 73 days ago, is he's been very good at it. He's basically gone on the attack since day one. In a way that Theresa May kind of never did. She always defended her government, or she defended what she'd achieved. But Boris Johnson has just, you know, like gone, boof, these guys, you know, are our opponents. And we are, are I'm, going to, I'm going to use the word friends a lot in all my speeches, but I don't actually mean friends, you know. <laughs> Um, uh, and it's just the equivalent of someone in Glasgow calling you pal, <laughs> or, or, or other words. Exactly, yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Interesting. So obviously, we need to see how this all plays out. But we are in October now. Supposedly, end of this month, it's happening. I mean, we're really into the, the final zone. But then again, we've been in the final zone what three times before <laughs> now. So we'll see how that goes. Um, there was an interesting uh, interview with the International Trade Secretary Liz Truss on the BBC yesterday, or the day before, uh, where she admitted that despite being the International Trade Secretary, she still had no idea how Boris Johnson would functionally take the UK out of the EU at the end of this month if a deal wasn't reached. I I mean, I don't know. How do you think this is going to go down? Like, what is going to happen at the end of this month? I mean, that's a really good question, and I don't have an answer for you, to be honest. I I was just on the phone to... um one of an MP contact there and I kind of put the same question to him I said you know what's going to happen next week will we have the vote for no confidence 
is going to come after prorogation, and he just he doesn't know. I mean, he 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 was just like I haven't I I haven't got a, a clue. I haven't got a clue. I, 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 there are so many moving parts at the moment, and there are so many what feels like uh, um, known unknowns. To to quote, is that Carl Rove? That was Carl Rove, wasn't it? Who said that? Was it Donald Rumsfeld? It was one of the Bush neocons, mm. but you know the idea of known unknowns and unknown unknowns, and we are we have known unknowns and unknown unknowns coming up within the next couple of weeks. Um, will there be a vote for confidence in, in Boris Johnson? Will you know he will he ask MPs to go for another uh, to unpick the fixed terms Parliament Act and have an early election again? Who knows? Um, we've got the Queen's speech coming up, uh, not next week, but the week after, and that's going to be at the same time as the SNP conference. Uh, we've got to wait and see what comes out of Brussels because we've now got, what, uh, another 13, 14 days until the European Council meeting, which is on the 17th. Um, and there's supposed to be a deal sort of agreed or reached by then if there is going to be, and if there's not, then that kind of has to be the bit where the Europeans go, right, well, no deal it is then. So, I mean, I, it's not even, we don't even have to the end of the month. The end of the month would be a luxury. We've pretty much got like less than two weeks now. Um, and, and, and I don't know what's going to happen. And what about the Ben Act? I feel like the minute that was passed, people were coming up with ideas of how Boris Johnson would overwrite it mm. and either not send this letter requesting mm-hmm. an extension or even maybe sending the letter but whispering, don't, don't allow it. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and all these... I've, I've heard them describe as uh, wheezes yeah. or yeah. ruses. And, you know, but what we're talking about is actually, you know, going against a law that has just been passed, finding yeah. a way around it. But it's, it's sort of been framed as like, oh, he's going to do something a bit cheeky, rather than mm. outrageous, well, exactly. another I mean, outrageous thing. Absolutely. But it's, it almost seems like a given now that he's going to find a way around that. The, 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 he said the best law is looking and finding some sort of, you know, if there's a loophole or see how tight it is. I mean, the, 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 the drafters of the Ben Act are extremely confident that there's not that there's no way of getting around it and that if he tries anything there's this rumour that he might try and he would send a letter saying listen you know we don't we want an extension which Parliament has mandated me to write to you to ask for an extension and then send a separate letter going actually no don't do that ignore that one Uh, from what I can understand from what you know lawyers have said is that that would be you know hugely illegal we wouldn't need to go back to the Supreme Court to get that struck down you could go to your local magistrate's court your local sheriff court and go and get rid of that you know and you've got, I mean the other thing is you've got more legal action happening in Edinburgh uh, just now in the court of session um, you know this this idea of, of, of trying you know which suggests uh, you're going to try and make me say the Latin word and I, I don't want to because I don't know how to say it um, I can write it I can spell it if you want write it down and I'll try and read it okay okay um, and, and this is great radio. <laughs> okay. Is that an L? Yeah. No, no, that's, an, no that's an I. Oh, it's an L, yeah, it's an L, sorry. <laughs> Noble officium. Something like that, yeah. Or is it officium? Anyway. Officium. Officium sounds more correct. Well, it's Latin anyway. And this is the idea that if Boris Johnson doesn't write the letter, then the court in Edinburgh could, you know, the the, the sheriff in Edinburgh, the just judge in Edinburgh could write a letter for him, you know. Ooh. Interesting. And what's saying it? Love Boris Johnson? Uh, well, basically, like PP it, yeah. Right, I think. okay. It's my understanding. But, Interesting. Know. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, then let's look at a potential alternative here, mm-hmm. which is a national government of unity. Um, which could come around, around. Government of national unity. Government of national GNU, unity. GNU, not NGU. 
NGU, GNU. Well, doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. So, uh, <laughs> uh, of course, there's discussion of this um, government of national unity. No, is that? I've already thrown myself. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, GNU. Okay, so, but seemingly the only thing that's standing in the way of that really happening is the Liberal Democrats. Do you see the elephant standing in the way of that happening? The only thing. Oh, the only thing. I thought you said I the mean, elephant. I guess you could also say that the Liberal Democrats could also be the elephant in the room the around elephant. that discussion as well. Exactly. So it's, it's just as fine. Uh, and of course, the Liberal Democrats having to walk back just today and yesterday, uh, this comment from Jamie Stone, who said that he would choose a no deal over Jeremy Corbyn as Prime Minister, even as an interim PM. Is that really different from what Joe Swinson's been saying about how she wouldn't work with Jeremy Corbyn? Well, this is kind of it, isn't it? It's the Liberal Democrats being really quite slippery of saying that they will do everything that they can to stop a no deal and then it's like well here's just a route and it's like well not that though <laughs> exactly not the only thing that we can not, do not the only thing that you can do so I would do anything for love but I won't do that <laughs> it's uh but I, I'm really curious about down the line how the Liberal Democrats like if if they do like stick to this position and a no deal Brexit happens how down the line they'll be able to justify that of saying yeah we could have stopped a no deal but you know, us, the fourth largest party, we had demands for the second largest party for them to ditch their leader, their leader who was elected twice by their membership, and they didn't listen to us. Again, the fourth small, uh, fourth largest party, so therefore we just let it happen. I don't know how they're going to be able to justify that in the future. I mean, it could just be tuition fees all over again, but on a much larger scale. I mean, I think um, you're forgetting that a lot of Liberal Democrat voters, a lot of soft Tory voters, absolutely detest Jeremy Corbyn. They hate Jeremy Corbyn. They are terrified of Jeremy Corbyn becoming Prime Minister, even for two or three days. And I think the Liberal Democrats are, are so... Um, I mean, I'm perhaps being a bit cynical here, but the Liberal Democrats are, are not thinking about the government of national unity. They're not thinking about a vote for no confidence. They're thinking about the next general election. And they want to, you know appear as moderate and as in the middle as possible uh, and you can almost kind of see the Tory attack lines can't you, you know, the Liberal Democrats they put Boris Johnson and uh, they put okay. Jeremy Corbyn into number 10 they propped up this, uh, what was the, the the phrase that Boris Johnson used this, this the, these um, oh, uh, oh gosh I should have written that down um, Marxists, let's just say Marxists uh, he calls them Marxists all the time so I'm assuming he said Marxists you know, you, you know, you vote Lib Dem, you're effectively voting for, for, for these, these Marxists. Um, what, would, what could Jeremy Corbyn do in two or three days that worries them so much, do you think? Don't know. Why do you try and do it? I mean, well, if you're Prime Minister, well, what would you do if you're Prime Minister, Prime Minister for, for a day? day. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that kind of <laughs> pub question. <laughs> what would you do what, if you're Prime Minister for a day? Seriously, though, what? I'd extend Brexit and then I would... Prorogue Parliament for five weeks? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah maybe, or, you know. But, I mean, seriously, what, what might you do? Well, I mean, this is the the, the, like, the country is his oyster. Would it know? be something non-Brexit related that they'd be worried about him doing? I, I possibly, yeah. I mean, that's I suppose. Would the, there be like a purge or something, what, like be, in that film? Like, <laughs> what, what, every, I don't know. There's no laws, so you can uh-huh. get on a, a horse and chase a Tory. I don't know. Like, don't know, he's not going to do anything that's going to cause like, like overnight mayhem, is he? Well, I don't know. I mean, but you could imagine there might be some people in this party who go, "Well, this is an opportunity." You know, we have, a, we, have we have an actual socialist in number ten for the first time possibly in decades. Uh, surely we should be, you know using that to her advantage. I mean, I don't think that But would then happen. if they were trying to pass laws, 
then they would need support. I mean, like, it's not just going to make... It's not just become a yeah, I mean, socialist still, dictator you, you for two days. Have, and you still wouldn't have a, a majority in Parliament. No, you know, right, absolutely yeah. not. All you yeah. do is so, sit there so as the interim powers would be, Right, my, I, I'm confused by this, because surely his powers would be quite limited, unless he just started doing whatever he wanted, breaking all the rules, yeah, which, yeah. wait a minute, is what we currently have. Yeah, yeah. So what if... I don't think he's going to do the same, but I just think what it the left wing slant is with so much of centrism, they're more worried about how it looks mm. than what could potentially happen from it. Which, you know, I could give a whole spiel about centrists, <laughs> but I'm going to hold back right now. But I have to say, and I know that some people in the Yes movement are kind of fond of the phrase standing shoulder to shoulder, but I always hate any time someone uses that phrase because it sort of implies that if you ever agree with your opponent on anything at all, then you've betrayed your principles because you've got into bed with them. Even if it's something that you've both had in your manifesto mm. or, you, you you know, you both agree with for, for your own well-reasoned arguments, you know, just because you agree with someone and work with them on something, it doesn't mean you've got into bed with them. That's just no. like an over-the-top, silly yeah. piece of language. I think those people would be shocked by how often the SNP and the Tories have both voted to support the same measures. Um, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it can be turned to suit anyone's cause to say, oh, you've collaborated with these people or you've done this. It's pointless. Hmm. Okay, well, I think what we can say then to wrap up this segment is what we've said every time we've discussed Brexit for the last couple of years, which is... We've no idea. We've no idea. And in a cu- like one week from now, it will all be completely different. Absolutely. And we'll reconvene then and talk about it. God, not even a week. Not even a week. We'll be tomorrow. Not even a week. Yeah, no. Exactly. Um, I'll get you back in the studio tomorrow, Andrew, to give us an update on what's happening uh, between now and then. But um, moving away from Brexit in general and instead focusing in more specifically on just the PM himself, uh, Boris Johnson, this week as well, saw accusations of Boris Johnson effectively, well not effectively, just straight up, uh, putting his hand on the thigh of a Sunday Times journalist, uh, a woman by the name of Charlotte Edwards, who accused the current Prime Minister of functionally groping her um, quite a little while ago. Now, Shona, you had a column in the paper this week that was talking about specifically this incident, but also in a broader sense, how Boris Johnson has managed to control the conversation around that. Yeah, and God, doesn't it seem like days and days and days ago that this was being talked about because every day there's a new silly headline about flags or about a Union Day bank holiday and all these daft things which you can't help but feel are all designed to make sure the news cycle keeps going and, oh yeah, that thigh thing, that was ages ago now. What are we talking about today? We're talking about flags. And what I found really interesting and really just frustrating on Monday was looking at Twitter and seeing um, seeing references to knees and touching of knees. And as we all remember, uh, Michael Fallon was undone by the claim that he'd touched the knee of Julia Hartley Brewer. When was that? Months ago now. Um, and obviously at the time, a lot of people, including Julia Hartley Brewer, hope I'm getting her name the right way around, um, said, oh, this is a nonsense. So you can't do anything these days. You can't touch anyone's knee these days and not be made to resign as... Um, Defence Secretary, was he? Um, so it was really interesting and infuriating to me to see how many mentions of knees there suddenly were online after these allegations, which, as you correctly said, Stephen, were about thighs. Now, you might say, what's the difference? It's still part of a leg. It's still sexual assault if you touch someone without their permission. But I think in the eyes of the old guard Tory supporters, there is actually quite a big difference between brushing a knee and squeezing an inner thigh. And I think that sp- 
spin was very deliberate. We had Toby Young at the conference then talking about, oh, well, in my day, if you didn't get your knee squeezed or touched by Boris Johnson, you'd be offended. And this whole idea, oh, it's just a knee touch, and everyone loved it anyway, um, really, really quickly served to, I think, in a lot of people's eyes, neutralise that story and dismiss it and downgrade it to something less serious. And what I found really sneaky, and I know from experience, if you make a mistake in a headline and you've put the story online, you can, of course, change it, but the URL, unless you want to lose all your you know, shareability, the URL remains the same. So the Daily Mail put up a story that uh, referred to a knee. They changed it, I think, within about an hour, or certainly an hour from when I first saw it shared. But the preview that you saw on Facebook or Twitter uh, remained the same because it's caching. I don't know, you'll understand better than me, Stephen, how this all works. But I don't think that was an accident because it still said knee. When you click through it, the knee reference had been deleted. But when you saw it on Twitter, and let's face it, how many people just see these things and don't click them, it still said knee. And I just don't, it might sound like a slightly crazy conspiracy theory, but I think the knees were planted deliberately by the right-wing media, by Toby Young, by everyone who was retweeting and genuinely, this story has has pretty much gone away. Is anyone still talking about it? No, we're all talking about stupid flags, stupid things that Alistair Jack has said. I mean, maybe he was already planning to say them, but it's convenient that they just keep doing more and more silly things. Um, and again, what about Jennifer Arcuri? Are people still talking about that? No, it's just this constant, there's so much that people can't really keep up. It's the same with Trump. You know, so many allegations that eventually it just becomes white noise. Yeah, we know that they're you know, dastardly people, watch new, give us something else. Is he in prison yet? No. Oh well. Yeah. But do you really think it's been that there's it's that much of a conspiracy that's been that organized that, that, that there's been this sort of level of, of, of organization going, do you know what, actually let's try and move the the story on Absolutely. by having Alistair Jack talking about you know, Union Day or Absolutely. And I think that's quite a basic thing. I don't think there's a huge amount of evil genius involved in doing that. But the evil genius that uh, we, the National, have been talking about for a while is our colleague Laura Webster uh, hit upon a theory which has only been strengthened as time's gone on where she noticed, she queried why Boris Johnson was saying certain things when he was being interviewed, why he was talking about buses and bridges, specifically this bridge from Scotland to Ireland, which just complicates things even more in the light of what we're talking about earlier. Um, and she thought... Could this possibly be, because if you now type in Boris Johnson bridge, Boris Johnson bus, you get something new. You don't get something saying Boris Johnson printed a lie on the side of the bus, and you don't get something connected with the Garden Bridge project in London, which was a big disaster. And um, so somebody tweeted and emailed us also this week to say, um, Boris Johnson has made a statement saying, I'm a, I've been a model of restraint. This was in regard to his uh, outrageous language, which of course was last week's scandal. Um, and he'd used the word model. And the theory was people are searching Boris Johnson model because they want to find out more about the Jennifer R. Curie business. This is the uh, model turned businesswoman who appears to have had a very cosy relationship with Johnson during his time as mayor. Now, if we rewind our memories back to that very, very strange interview Johnson gave where he was asked, I'm not sure by who, if it was a journalist or if it was one of his own team, do you have any hobbies? And he said he had a hobby that involved making model buses out of cardboard boxes. And at the time, everyone was like, what is he on? Why is he saying this? We don't believe him. But that was back in June. He was still the front runner for the Tory leadership. 
why might he have wanted Boris Johnson model See, to bring up model buses is that a stretch too far that's a bit of a stretch I'm that one yeah, yeah. Uh, model why, of restraint why else why? Yeah, well, model of well, restraint I completely that, think it's belt and braces it's yes. belt and braces a model of restraint is the basis but why was he talking about creating model buses an obvious lie in June well, because someone had threatened to say we're going to talk about that model that your friends I think that was just down to moving the bus story on I don't know how else you would describe a model bus that you built other than by using the he word model. He could say that he collect little dinky <laughs> die-cast buses, something plausible but instead he, it was such obvious bullshit that both parts, model and buses, these are significant words. Maybe I'm wearing my tinfoil hat. I think hat, you're wearing your tinfoil I think hats, Laura's yes. theory goes deeper. I think oh this my is like goodness. You think this is MI5, the state sort of here. I don't think it's that clever. I'm, I'm not saying, oh wow, they're, they're total evil geniuses. I don't think it is that sophisticated at all sure sure because I, the minute you see it you're like oh i just i just don't think first of all that people have now forgotten about the bus with the line the side of it i don't think anyone's going oh what was that about they might not have forgotten but if they it. want to go back and check it it's probably very easy to find isn't it you just go boris bus brexit easy enough well i mean it wasn't necessarily the it wasn't necessarily the brexit bus i think yeah. that was to distract from it was boris's time as london as london mayor in which he, you know, sure. had a bit of a disaster sure. in buses for that. I would say it was probably close to oh, covering that up than the Brexit bus. Possibly. And I think that the idea of kind of covering your history yeah. by manipulating search engine results and optimization isn't actually that unreasonable. But who goes beyond the first page of search results? Exactly. Nobody. Um, do I think he planted the model thing way back during? Busgate? Mm. No. But model of restraint, yes. I, I do know. think that's, I that was very deliberate. Well, is, that, is that how people are searching for that story? I wanting to find out more. They're typing Boris Johnson model. Jennifer Arcuri's name every time I have to go back and check it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. model no is one much easier names. to Google. Yeah. You probably just like Boris Johnson Affair or Boris Johnson. Maybe Boris Johnson, Johnson Affair up. might yeah, just bring you up well, Boris Johnson stuff. Affair might bring you a lot of stuff. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Well, um... <laughs> Like what do you it? think, um, national readers? Uh, do, do you think this is absolute madness, or do you think there's something here? Lawyer, what we, what he should, thinks, uh, first of all, just be the safe side. I should add in as well yeah. that when you think about Neath Eygate, yeah. um, the usual tactic would have been for Boris Johnson to say, well, slap my thigh, isn't the conference going well? But that mm. would have been far too obvious. The right, word okay. thigh cannot be... You can't say, my hobby involves... Thighs. Well, that, that, would, that would be too truthful, possibly. But uh-huh. you can't put the word thigh into the conversation. But if you've got a few well-placed journalist friends, people like Toby Young, they can switch thigh to knee for you. There's different ways of doing it. None of them are clever. I'm just. I'm not. I'm. I'm skeptical. I'm just skeptical that you know, Dominic Cummings is a number ten. Going. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, Toby, would you mind just using the word knee in your column? I don't know why you grand. think that's perfect. He's in it at the conference. Okay, 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 okay. No, come on. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not, you know, I probably should be more sceptical and cynical of these things, but I'm just, mm. uh, I'm not. <laughs> okay, great. Well, anyway, that wraps it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do let us know what you think in the comments down below. Do you think that we're onto something here? Um, it's just, okay, right, actually, no, I do have one last point to make about it. <laughs> it does feel like it is the, it's dead cat theory for the social media age. So for anyone who doesn't know what dead cat theory is, it is the idea that when you've got a big story coming out about you that you don't want, just as it's breaking, uh, you, you throw a dead cat onto the table and everyone is distracted by the dead cat 
and therefore doesn't look at your story. So when something bad comes out about you, you come out with something bigger or more fantastical and it kind of eclipses the coverage of the story you don't want people to know about. And given how much of our news is now dominated by optimization for search engines, it's not unreasonable to think that that theory would have developed. But I'm going to wrap that up there. <laughs> That's my position on it. Let's talk for the last couple of minutes about the BBC's programme, The Papers, of which we all appeared in. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, we had a team of uh, documentary makers in the National and the Herald's offices for six months in the lead up to the original Brexit date, uh, covering how the papers come together and essentially following the launch of both the Sunday National and the Herald and Sunday titles. How did you think the documentary came out? You answered that one, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought it made everything seem... See if you just edit things together and put some music behind it. It makes everything seem much more exciting. Mm. I was like, oh, there we are, dynamically, not just sitting at our desk typing all day. So I thought it was it was quite good and it made it all seem quite exciting. Um, and I think most people reckon The National came across pretty well. I think we were quite favourably edited. <laughs> not suggesting the kind of loads of damning footage that they had of it's us doing anything terrible. because Cam's on the phone, terrible. Cam's on the phone going, hey, listen, Sarah, can you, uh, can you just make sure we're very favourably edited, please? That's very much. <laughs> but yeah, I, don't, I, think, I think it was the obvious yeah. choice to portray us as the plucky underdogs, um, you know, doing everything against the odds. And it did really highlight, you know, in some ways the the strong position you have as a new title obviously it's a really really crowded marketplace for newspapers in Scotland but if you're new if you're kind of fleet of foot if you can get people in who understand digital maybe you know too well some might say um, <laughs> and understand how you know how to break news and how to get stories and, and you know do things like that and also be really creative with your front pages it was fortunate that they captured one of our kind of classic mm. national front pages which um, you were uh, there Andrew that day when Theresa May blocked you from going to a press conference yes. uh, and it just sort of goes to show you know what what uh, blundering the previous mm. PM and her strategy team mm. did back then because that was a gift to us because then we were able to to get everyone talking about her blocking people from going to a press conference so yeah I think um, there was some really good stuff captured and there was also a lot about cuts um, and so it was quite sombre particularly mm. the second episode yeah. and I think people will be we've had quite a lot of people getting in touch saying you know keep up the good work guys didn't quite realise quite how few of you there were putting yeah. all this together <laughs> so hopefully it'll be more uh, forgiving uh, when we're not, well, I don't know, there's nothing to forgive because we're doing brilliantly. <laughs> but, you know, they, they've got an understanding of how hard a f small number of people yeah. are working to try and get everything that they need to know in front of their uh, eyeballs in the paper and on the website. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I agree. It was just, it's, because they were here for, how long were they here for, the filmmakers? Was it six months? Was it was no, fully six months. No. I think it was three months, but then they kind of extended it. Sure, because sure, of, of the Brexit, Brexit getting extended, extended and all that sort of stuff. Didn't it? I mean, I, I, by the end of it, I absolutely forgot they were here filming us. You know, I would I would just be my normal self and um, swearing and possibly being, you know, a bit of a dick about people I shouldn't be a bit of a dick about. And then turn around and there'd be a camera in your face. You're like, oh, God. I know it's funny how it makes it look like Richard Walker is the only one who ever the swears. Swore, yeah, exactly. Sometimes I would just shout something out, yeah. you know, like the system would break, and I'd be like, "Oh no, they were doing a piece to camera with someone." <laughs> is it just going to have me go in the background? Uh, but yeah, they're very unobtrusive. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, I think that means that what they got was a very genuine snapshot of the paper. There wasn't, it wasn't really sort of you know, no one was 
putting anything on for the camera. Or, I think you'd um, be able to tell. If yeah. Was. They surely had loads of footage where people were kind of awkwardly going, oh, hello, I'm yeah. calling from. Yeah. And they just wouldn't have used that because yeah. it would have yeah. looked fake because it kind of was. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. the stuff they got was authentic and so the viewers can see that because we're not actors, obviously. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I think actually, interesting, one of my favourite parts of the documentary was the part with you, Andrew. Uh-huh. Um, the um, <clears throat> the lead-up to that front page where we've been denied when they kind of framed it as if like everyone else knew about it but they just hadn't told the national mm. and there's kind of the shot of you walking through the office like Theresa May she about and kind of like with the music and it reminded me of like a David Attenborough like <laughs> or was like and one small chick has fallen from the nest and it was like you know, following the, the one that's uh, wandering around into the cold and is probably going to die in like five minutes you know I liked as well that it showed you like walking like two metres from your desk and going yeah. hi I'm Andrew from the National yeah. as if like nobody even knows who exactly. we are in yeah. the office which yeah. I suppose must have been true in that moment there's this invisible wall this but you had to reach sometimes, it isn't there? you know we're very uh, please sir get quite some separate. we are we, are, we, we have our own little up national up corner don't we up in the back you know? and yeah. doing our own thing and yeah. Don't talk to anyone else. We don't really know quite a lot of people in the world. We share a flow with them, but we're we're very separate people. We're very separate organisations. That's one of the things I found quite interesting in the documentary because I was occasionally like, oh, that's who that guy is. (laughs) (laughs) That's who that is. Um, Great. Well, if you haven't seen it yet and you do want to watch it, you can find it on the iPlayer. And uh, do recommend giving it a wee watch if you want to get an idea of what it's like behind the scenes at the National. But that does wrap us up uh, this week. So thank you very much, uh, Andrew Shona for coming in and having a chat with me we will be back again next week as I said at the very beginning of this if you do want to support projects like this in the National you can go to the website and you can subscribe to the National it does help us create more digital content please do let us know what you thought about today's programme in the comments down below and we will see you all again next week 